What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 290. It is Monday, October 31st. Happy Halloween, guys. Um, enjoy the day. Enjoy the last day of October. Rolling into November is going to be an interesting and crazy month. Today, we got a number of interesting topics um, to go over today. The big one is the uh, Huawei FBI bribery scandal with Bitcoin, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, we're also going to talk about the meta sell-off, what's happening uh, with Zuck's Facebook slash meta slash metaverse ambitions at the moment in the market. We're going to talk about the Saturn implementation for Filecoin, the Visa crypto wallet that might be coming out at some point, how BNY Mellon and other institutions would prefer uh, traditional financial institutions before getting into this industry, and uh, the big uptick in Reddit NFTs in the Reddit NFT marketplace and how it's actually challenging OpenSea. So let's go ahead and dive in. So first off, we got to talk about what's going on with this FBI bribe by the Chinese and what they've been uh, trying to do. This isn't something that's relatively new. This is stuff that happens all the time, to be completely honest. Um, but it's funny. Um in some ways, and it's the first one in the while I've seen where they actually tried to use Bitcoin to bribe um, an FBI, apparently an FBI double agent uh, to get intel on certain pressing issues. So I wanted to kind of cover this as a fun one to kind of get the week started. Uh, so let's dive into it. In a press conference on Monday, not this Monday, but uh, the past Monday, the U.S. Department of Justice detailed uh, newly unsealed charges against two alleged spies from China, according to the DOJ brief Chinese intelligence officers. I'm not even going to try and pronounce these guys. Uh, had attempted to obstruct an ongoing criminal investigation of a global telecom company based in China um, through bribery and espionage. While the DOJ said outright that it would not name the company in question, CNN, as well as other news outlets, have confirmed the entity is the China-based Huawei. The telecom company has long been accused of providing backdoors in their mobile devices in order to facilitate China's ability to spy on government, business, competitors, and other users throughout the world. The U.S. has previously restricted Huawei's ability to conduct business in the U.S. due to these security concerns. Uh, let's let's find the, the Bitcoin one. Right, we'll just start here. Starting in 2017, the two alleged spies had begun cultivating a relationship with an employee of a U.S. law enforcement agency in order to extract information from the individual regarding evidence, witnesses, mm -hmm. and potential charges in a criminal case against Huawei. In exchange, the U.S. prosecutors' confidential documents about the case, the U.S. government employee was paid tens of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin. Oh, wow. So he was paid a lot in Bitcoin. 61000 was paid by spies with the most recent transaction occurring just this month. What the spies did not know, however, he, 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 was that their contact was actually working as a double agent the whole time under the FBI's supervision. Perhaps an attempt to show how serious the U.S. is taking this issue, Monday's press conference included the biggest names within the DOJ, such as U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland and Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco. Okay, that's enough of that. So, anyways... This is kind of just more like a piece of fun news. Mm -hmm. You know, it's every single day, the Chinese, you know, a lot of other bad actors in the world are trying to compromise uh, the U.S. government, a lot of other first world countries in many different ways. 
it's just interesting because they tried to do it with Bitcoin and Bitcoin is one of the most transparent uh, cryptocurrencies out there. One of the most transparent blockchains out there. It's not like they're going to get away with sending him Bitcoin and no one's going to know who it was. Um, so the, it's a bit of naivety, I think, on their part to, to try and do it that way. But anyways, I think that's a fun way to kind of start things. Um, also, what's next? Meta. So let's talk about Meta. Let's see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, Facebook is having some setbacks lately. Um, $80 billion was wiped from the balance sheet as of recently. Let's see if I can pull up this view. Ah, that's better. $80 billion wiped from the value of Facebook and Instagram owner Meta. The sell-off began overnight. Continues after Mark Zuckerberg's company reports having of profits. Oh, geez. I think this has a lot to do with their metaverse plans with Oculus because nothing has really panned out to make them money and they poured billions of dollars into it. So it's going to be interesting to see if they get to where they want to be and you can start turning a profit with with Oculus and uh, meta more broadly than just you know Facebook. Let's see what's going on. Uh, Zuckerberg's company reported profits had halved during the third quarter as advertisers reigned in spending amid the global economic downturn. 25% tumble, oh my God, in Meta's share price since Wednesday evening has knocked billions off the personal wealth of Zuckerberg, who is chief executive and largest shareholder. The sell-off began during overnight trading after a downbeat results presentation and continued when markets reopened on Thursday. It was one of the most dramatic devaluations Wall Street has seen since investor confidence in Silicon Valley stocks began to crumble at the start of the year. There's a lot of tech companies that actually have been struggling uh, this year, to be honest, not just Meta. I think it's a lot of people pulling their money out of the market right now. It's not really the best time to invest and leave your money in assets, especially with those in the tech sector, because those ones are a bit more volatile. Usually people invest in the tech sector because they want a chance to make more money quickly in a shorter period of time. Um, so it tends to be a more volatile or risky part of the market. I know like coming from a crypto market um, and coming from blockchain, it sounds silly to call tech stocks volatile. But in the traditional world and traditional finance, or as we like to call it TradFi, I guess, um, that's what we consider risky. So... The, the whole sector, the whole tech sector is down quite a bit this year. I don't think people want to put their money there right now. I think they're very concerned about the economy, about inflation, about um, how strong the dollar has gotten against other currencies and if we're going to collapse. Likewise, which we probably will soon in the next year and a half or two years, depending on what the Fed does. So, you know, I don't think a lot of people look into that at such a high level as deeply. But they can sniff it out. They know for sure something is not right. The economy is in a recession. It's getting worse. So why keep your money in the stock market, especially in tech stocks right now? So um, and on top of that, Meta is not helping themselves because they poured billions of dollars into pushing the metaverse and pushing Oculus, and they don't have a whole lot to show for it as of yet. Um, let's read a bit more. Meta shares briefly dipped below $100, taking them to their lowest level since 2016, with investors unconvinced by Zuckerberg's bet that his company's future lies in the metaverse, a virtual reality world that users will experience through its Oculus headsets. 
Uh, let's, let's jump down to his holdings stood at just over $125 billion at the start of 2022, according to Bloomberg data, but its value has now fallen to $35 billion. Yeah, they've taken some significant losses. Uh, amid growing competition from TikTok, Meta is also suffering from a slowdown in advertising spending. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good competition out there, too. So there's a lot of ways where they're potentially hurting and not excelling in the ways that maybe they would want to. So that's going to be interesting to kind of keep an eye on. I don't think they're going to get much better um, anytime soon. I think the whole market's kind of in a slump. Uh, moving on, Filecoin has an interesting development. We're going to pull that one up. It is this one. All right. Filecoin has just launched um, something called Saturn, uh, a content distribution network. Uh, they're trying to onboard more people, more contributors. Let's dive into what this is exactly to kind of give you more context. So the decentralized storage network for Filecoin has launched a new content distribution network, a CDN called Saturn. According to Protocol Labs, which owns Filecoin and created it, the, the, ugh, the developers of Filecoin, the new network will contribute to its storage by helping it meet content bandwidth. Saturn will also help reduce the cost of running Filecoin nodes, among many other benefits it brings along. Let's see. As it were, CDNs constitute a significant part of the internet. They are responsible for the ability of websites to perform optimally and quickly retrieve information that will be delivered to end users. Therefore, similarly, Saturn will help decentralized apps, dApps, retrieve content and information. The network will also work as a support to the protocol's main data storage. Interesting. It should be noted that there, not before, excuse me, the launch of Saturn, contributing to the file coin network requires one to first become a storage provider, but become an SP in expensive and also is expensive and also requires a large amount of storage capacity. Yeah, sorry guys, the, the screen is a bit farther away, so the text is a little small and hard for me to kind of read at times, but essentially what they're doing is um, protocol labs, other than just Filecoin, they also created something called IPFS, and it's like this decentralized way to query information across the internet without it having to go to like a centralized server like Google, for example, um, or having to go to Wix to get a website or, you know, whatever. So um, they need to make it easier, they need to make it faster, they need to make this indexing and querying something that's a bit more feasible for people to do. So hence, Filecoin launches Saturn to kind of help with that. Uh, with the CDN process. Um, I think Filecoin is a fantastic thing to consider investing in. I, am, uh, for full disclosure, have invested in Filecoin. I actually bought into their SAFT before they launched the token years ago. Um, and I didn't put like a tremendous amount of money in it, but it did perform fairly well, to be honest. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact there's not a lot of blockchain players in the market right now that are focused solely on building something out that's storage related. There's a few. Um, Siacoin, if it's still called Siacoin, yeah, Sia. Um, storage, Filecoin, maybe Library Coin, maybe a couple others. There's not a lot of players, but it's a very important part about building a decentralized Web3 internet that we all hope to live in at some point. You need a storage backend. Um, you know, where are you going to put all this information? Where are you going to put videos and content if you're going to have a decentralized? Um, social media platform, where are you going to host data for customers if you're going to have a decentralized Uber? 
where are you going to host decentralized websites? So when people uh, query a certain address, what, what's going to pull up on, on the end, on their end? So there needs to be a place for all this. So Filecoin is kind of helping build. Well, they're kind of cornering this part of the market, but they're building a really essential component to it. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out as well. I think at some point, tension is going to have to shift from some of the things that are very surface level and in in my opinion, very superficial. Uh, NFTs and DeFi right now, which is kind of a shell of what it wants to be. And, you know, investing in cryptocurrency, a lot of that attention and money is going to have to shift to actual use cases and what blockchain can be applied to. And storage is one of those very, very important backend use cases. So I think sometime in the next bull run, it's going to get a lot of attention. I think people are itching for utility. Um, we saw that with NFTs. So I think you're going to see that with a lot of other parts of the market. So Filecoin is another thing to keep a very close eye on, as well as the entire decentralized storage part um, of of blockchain if you're looking for key investments that could perform well over time. Um, did I lose an overlay somehow? I might have lost an overlay. Um, okay. Anyways, we're moving on to the Visa crypto wallet, which is kind of exciting. So Visa has been involved in crypto for quite a while now. This is also something that isn't completely new. What is hopefully interesting is Visa is going to move a bit faster on this because they've been kind of playing around with the idea of being in the space for a while. They want to do payment streaming. They want to work with merchants and make it possible to um, accept crypto and then convert that in real time to dollars or pesos or whatever your fiat currency is wherever you live, um, as well as remittances and things like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they implement that if they go the route of doing something with a plastic card and an NFC uh, tap pay and, and swiping, or if they want to go completely digital or if there's some other kind of implementation. So they've been filing a lot of patents. They are doing a lot of D&D and something's going to come out of Visa at some point. So it's kind of cool to review and update on where Visa's at with this process because MasterCard's doing the same thing. Um, we're going to have some global uh, mainstream use case at some point with one of these major providers. Uh, in this article, it says, uh, specifically, global financial services behemoth Visa has filed two crypto-related trademark applications with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. This is nothing new. They do it all the time. Detailing plans to manage cryptocurrency transactions and create a virtual environment in which users can interact for recreational, leisure, or entertainment purposes. Uh, entertainment. I don't know what that's going to be like, but that should be interesting. Um, further show that the company plan on launching cryptocurrency wallets and software for auditing cryptocurrencies. Well, here's uh, the Visa application. The application also showed that the firm has its eyes peeled on NFTs. Interesting. And other digital collectibles as it, as it plans on providing temporary use of non-downloadable software for users to view, access, store, and transmit them. Visa's crypto journey dates as far back as 2014. As I said, they've been doing this for a while. Its former CEO noted that there were some interesting things about Bitcoin early 
last year, the firm's current CEO noted that crypto could become extremely popular in the next five years. Yeah, it kind of has. Adding that even though that was not the case, he wanted to make sure that the company was in the middle of the crypto revolution. So, you know, they're positioning themselves well uh, to be in this space. I think Visa will become a major player at some point. Um, and I think they're, and this is going to kind of lead into the next thing I want to talk about with traditional finance, but Visa is one of those institutions that's highly respected. It's been around for a long time that other institutions trust. So when you have Visa with a popular use case, they have a crypto wallet, they allow remittance, they allow merchants to accept crypto, you know, all these things that you think they're going to do. It makes institutions more comfortable uh, getting more involved, whether it's investing money or launching a use case of their own that, that does something. Um, so it's important to get major players like this integrated into the system. So I'm excited to see how Visa gets more involved here in the near future. Next thing I want to talk about is BNY Mellon, but more largely institutions getting involved in TradeFi and what they are looking for to feel more confident about doing so. So essentially, BNY Mellon, uh, just, we're going to go through this article really quickly. America's oldest bank and one of more one of the more crypto-friendly institutions said earlier this month that select institutional clients will be able to hold and transfer Bitcoin and Ether through its new crypto custody offering. Mm -hmm. NASDAQ said in September it would be looking into offering similar services. Uh, Boston-based State Street has been plotting, plotting its crypto custody plan since March of 2022 when it revealed its partnership with crypto native Cooper. Copper? Cooper? Copper. Uh, the trend is not surprising. BNY Mellon's head of digital asset custody commercial products said during a BlockWorks webinar this week. Uh, we're seeing a lot of institutional interest as you think about what is prohibiting others from getting into the space. What we've seen is that people require an institutional grade provider. And that is true. That is a fact. Um, I think that's something we kind of overlook when we're kind of, you know, sitting back as investors and, and, Asking when are institutions getting involved? When when are large players with large sums of capital going to pour it into this industry? When when are things going to go to the moon? Um, when is this going to become mainstream? Well, the reality is, if you're an institution, you don't gamble and take risks. Uh, there's so much money, an insane amount of money on the sideline that is not in crypto. Like crypto, the market right now today is incredibly small maybe and is bigger than some major companies in the world but in terms of markets it is tiny um if this is going to become a multi-trillion dollar market if this is going to be something that is mainstay and that we use for generations and onward is going to solve so many problems in the world and is going to be integrated into everything then a you know half a trillion dollar market needs to be worth $10 trillion minimum, bigger than that, 20, 30, $40 trillion. And that's the reality. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very, very underpriced. It's yeah. very, very early. And to get to that point, you need large institutions to get involved and they need to feel comfortable. And the only way they're going to do it is if other institutions that they trust, like Visa, for example, like we just talked about, gets more involved in the crypto then that opens the doors for them that's like a swinging 
uh, pendulum of momentum of money that will flow into the space very quickly. It's not that BNY Mellon and others don't want to. It's they don't feel comfortable. They don't have a safe avenue to do so. So that that is the reason why institutions haven't dumped buckets of money into this space yet. It will happen, though. It will happen soon. Uh, last thing we're going to cover is Reddit's NFT marketplace, which is giving OpenSea a run for its money. This is very interesting. Um, so let's let's cover $8.6 million in volume. We're going to cover that. Massive uptick on the Polygon-based NFT platform by Reddit. All right. What are Reddit NFTs? Let's explain this. On July 7th, Reddit launched its Polygon-based NFT marketplace, allowing users to purchase blockchain-based profile pictures based on the social network's logo. Snow, snoo, whatever. Collectible avatars are backed by blockchain tech, giving purchasers rights, a license to use the art on and off Reddit, the company said in its announcement. Um, I'm going to skip this part. Notably, the Reddit digital collectibles are created by independent artists with a total number of NFTs going for sale in this early access phase, being in the tens of thousands. Last week, the Reddit executive revealed that users have created over 3 million Polygon wallets for them while speaking on a TechCrunch Disrupt panel. Um, 2.5 million of those wallets were created to purchase NFT avatars. So there's a lot of growth happening on Reddit's NFT marketplace. According to data by OpenSea, Spooky Season saw its highest trading volume of 1.8 million on Monday. Spooky, spooky Season has exceeded 3.7 million over the past week. The cumulative sales, though, of all Reddit NFTs has exceeded 8.6 million, according to Dune Analytics. As per the dashboard, there are currently 2.8 million plus collectible holders and about the same in single collectible avatars and avatars. I don't know what the difference between that. Single collective, collectible and just regular. Anyways, that's a lot. Uh, the increasing interest in Reddit NFTs has also created a surge in demand for Polygon NFTs. More specifically, OpenSea Polygon volume reached an all-time high of around 3 million on Monday. So uh, just for some context, Polygon is a layered solution for Ethereum that allows you to create NFTs at an affordable price very quickly, uh, very cheaply, and makes it more accessible and inclusive to be in the NFT market because Ethereum-based NFTs are notoriously expensive to create because of gas fees and to sell. And uh, there's been times where you, I'd, I've created an NFT and tried to sell it for, let's say, 100 bucks, but the gas fee would be like 80 bucks. So my profit margin is like 20 bucks. So it, it's, it's not helpful if you're a creator and you're trying to make money. Those gas fees scale up too in a lot of cases. So Polygon has made it more accessible. Um, Polygon hasn't necessarily taken off per se in any kind of way on OpenSea, uh, but it seems to be taking off quite a bit on Reddit, which is really cool. So I'm curious if Reddit's marketplace has made it easier and more friendly to create these polygon nfts and trade them or, or what the case might be 
um, or if they've just focused on Polygon solely. So that's the only thing people have been able to kind of uh, use in terms of creating NFTs. Um, I'm not quite sure what the options are because frankly, I haven't used Reddit's marketplace, but it's cool to see that. I, I like to see that there's competition between these different platforms within blockchain because OpenSea has kind of dominated for a long time with the exception of maybe uh, super rare and, and nifty gateway for like more exclusive uh, artists and NFT drops for art and collectibles. And, you know, OpenSea has kind of dominated the entire NFT world in terms of any kind of NFTs you create, period. So it's cool to see a bit of differentiation because that will lead to competition and innovation and it'll allow the NFT market space to grow and expand much, much faster. Um, that's it for today, guys. Those are the topics. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. We got a really cool guest coming on later this week. I believe on Thursday, we're going to talk to somebody from The Graph and kind of get a better understanding of what The Graph is um, from an indexing point of view, how they query information over the Web3 internet. Um, kind of plays into some stuff we talked about today with like Filecoin, Saturn, and uh, maybe we'll ask some similar questions to him as well if any of those things are correlated and, you know, what they're working on and, you know, the potential for the graph and where it could go as maybe an investment um, and as a, as a project within the blockchain space. So that'll be fun. Also, guys, make sure to sign up for the Future Economy newsletter if you haven't. Is an extension of the book, The Future Economy, which I just published with Forbes that will be coming out officially on the 3rd of January. You can pre-order it right now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, pretty much everywhere else online. But if you want to learn about Web3 and crypto on a weekly basis, then sign up for the newsletter down below, bit.ly slash the future economy, and make sure to check it out. All right, guys, enjoy your Halloween. Enjoy October 31st, your last day of October. And I'll see you guys later this week. Ciao, guys.